you know, just to get started from, yeah. like I said, one, I don't know how to, how to phrase this. I don't know if I should say one podcaster to another, if I should say one Muslim woman to another, um, from one <laughs> like, woman yeah. struggling with identity to another. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot that we can relate on. One struggling Muslim podcasting woman to another. <laughs> another. Yeah, exactly. You know, I actually am very interested in a lot of things about you just because I find you to be very mysterious. And I'm sure a lot of people do <laughs> because you really are like, I mean, well, because you're yeah. not very public on social media. Um, yeah. And honestly, I learned the most about you in I think it's your last episode. Yeah, um, the about yeah and so okay i'm gonna say something i totally didn't know you were in canada <laughs> i know you have a oh. you're british right so you have like a british passport yeah yeah i do yeah okay both of them yeah both yeah but like so i i mean i've known you since we've gotten to know each other on the rogue muslim and then I, you know i did the ramadan series with you on your podcast but i mean always hearing your yeah. voice i always just thought you were like somewhere in the uk and so when when <laughs> i was met when you messaged me and you're like oh i think i'm like three hours ahead of you and i'm like <laughs> yeah no, like, you're what? not. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, where are you? And you were like, I'm in Canada. And I was like, oh, because you have a British accent. But actually, now that like yeah. I listen to you more, sometimes it kind of fades away. It does. Yeah. And okay. So when I first moved here, I was so embarrassed of my accent. I was like, this is just like disgusting. People are going <laughs> to bully me. I need like, I need street cred here. Because I'm new. I tried to put on a Canadian accent. And literally, every, I think that did more damage than anything. Like, everyone just stared at me because I was doing a Valley Girl accent. Oh, no. That's like me trying to do a British accent. I think it, it would just bomb. Yeah. Yeah. It was so... And I don't even know. I'm saying Valley Girl, but I don't even know if it's true Valley Girl because I've never been to the Valley. So... But I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. No, it totally, like, it fades in and out. And... Well, yeah, how long have you been know, in Canada? I'm... I mean, when did you move? Uh, how was old? How old was that? Moved in 2005, and I was 11. Oh, okay. So I'm 24 now. 24? Yeah, I'm 24. Uh, <laughs> you're, like, trying to figure out? <laughs> <laughs> I think this morning at the gym, and I was just talking to my friend. I was like, holy crap. Like, I'm actually going to be 25. Like, I feel four. It's it's so weird. Like, it's just, oh, I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, you know to an extent age is like a number and it's not so much the number that matters but like how you feel and where you are and the things that you're doing I mean I'm 28 I feel young like I can be actually I don't I don't want I don't know if it's like I feel young but in terms of like the people I socialize with I'm very much a chameleon like I have friends that are a lot much older than me and like are married have kids I have friends that are like still in college and are young and like still discovering life and yeah. I, I don't know, I kind of fit in between all because I still, ha I still am a little bit of all of that, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And I think it's just, sometimes it's just the shock factor of like, wow, I've done 24 years of life now. I know. But it's, yeah, but like, yeah, completely. Like, I think I also just, whatever group of friends I'm in, I kind of just mold myself to that yeah. and not like inauthentic way or anything. Yeah. Um, well, but you're able to I've adapt. It's, I think that's what yeah. it is. Exactly. Yeah. I think I it's, it makes more... us relatable to kind of different groups of people in, in age ranges because I, I think that's how it is for me at least yeah. but I've learned I think growing up as an extrovert and I mean you're an extrovert as well is you do like you kind of thrive on meeting new people and it's something that excites you and 
and you don't mind it. It doesn't like drain you or anything like that, like like it would for an introvert. And so I have a lot of friends, but what I've learned is like I keep my I keep my closest friends, like the ones that I would consider my best friends and like my sisters. Those are the ones that like I keep in the loop with like my personal life and the ones that I go to. And then everyone else is just kind of like, you know, I have the friends that are really fun for doing certain things and like, you know, I I like to enjoy my time with people and I think there's so many beautiful people that I've met in this world, but I have those like really close friends that are there that kind of see get to see all the different sides of me yeah exactly and I think I think that's when you know it's a true friendship it's like you can be all sides of your personality and it's like cool we'll go with this and uh and then there's yeah it's there and I I actually like I appreciate the older I get the smaller my friendship group is um even if it's just like something as simple as trying to get together I'm like okay like yeah, that's I can true. do for this many people. Like, otherwise, it's just way too much trying to balance family, it's like a friends. Full time job, to be honest. Honestly, and like, I'm so bad at communicating. Like, I just, I don't enjoy texting and stuff. And mm-hmm. so, I'm like, the friends I do have, I treasure them because I'm like, they get me. Like, they're not expecting me to do any of this um, with them necessarily. No, agree. Um, I'm the same. Yeah. And I also I just think that like friendships should be effortless in a way. I mean, obviously you put in work and you have to be there for a friend in the same way that you would want to be there for them. And like, you know, there's respect and reciprocity and all that stuff. But I feel like like one of my best friends since I was, you know, very, very young. Her name is Zaina. And, you know, she's married, has a kid. We kind of live like different lifestyles in the sense of like I'm single And, you know, at one point, like I was in college and she was like married and got, you know, got pregnant, had her baby. But till this day, like I don't see her as often as I'd like to. But we talk, we try to talk at least once a week where we can hash everything out for like an hour or two. But Mm -hmm. even when we know we can't see each other, like legit, like her birthday's in March, mine's in August. And we'll always see each other like two, three months after our birthdays to give each (laughs) other gifts. But none, like... We both have this understanding and we're okay with it because we know in our hearts that there is, you know, love and respect for each other and that we we are accepting of how different our lives are and the different, you know, responsibilities and the setup of how our life is. But we mm-hmm. we don't let that change the fact that, like, we're still sisters, you know what I mean? And, like, we've been through so much. And I feel mm-hmm. like some people have so much expectations and they're not, like, lenient towards their friendships and they can't be understanding. And I think that's what sometimes breaks friends, friendships apart. Yeah. And that's something that scares me a lot now is how, like, I think, you know, taking care of yourself is very important. And so that you can take care of others or be with yeah. others. I think that's really important, but sometimes, and I think as I see this more on like Twitter and stuff, but there's just so much ego and like this, like, okay, well, it's my way, the highway. And like, just no sense of like compromising and actually yeah. being in relationships, like whatever kind of relationship you're in. And I think the truest friendships are those where you can give and take, and it's not a sacrifice. And if, and if you are feeling like, yeah, oh, for sure. Like if you're feeling like, yeah, I'm doing all the giving, then okay, definitely have to reevaluate that, com- that friendship. Mm-hmm. But not going in with the mindset of like, well, I expect them to serve me and only me. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, and I think, no, it's just stuff I see on Twitter all the time where it's just like this sense of high ego. 
Um, and I don't know if people is, like that can. I'm, I'm trying to think like maybe they need a specific mm -hmm. kind of friend or person to be in a relationship with. But I don't even know if there is someone that I don't know, maybe people pleasers like those are the ones that work well with with those type of like people who have that sense of entitlement of like, you're my friend, you owe me this and this and that. And like, there's those high expectations. Right. But even that yeah. I don't think would really I don't see that going yeah. very far because no. I mean, eventually that person will feel like they're empty because they're only giving, giving, giving. The other person's taking. Mm -hmm. So, And I think that's yeah, important, especially for us women. Like, I don't really know much about, like, men and their friendships. I don't feel like it's yeah. men have it as complicated as we do. Because I think... That, <laughs> I don't think they... <laughs> yeah, I feel like we, we overthink and, like, look into things too much. I think, I think... I don't know. Like, it's that age where you're, like it's very much like I'm right. And like the feelings yes. are so overwhelming. And mm -hmm. if you don't have like a good outlet, it's like, it's just going to all come out. You know what I'm just really grateful for though, is I'm really grateful. And I don't know if you can speak to this seeing as, I mean, you're like about four years younger than me, but I didn't grow up in that time. Like I think the only thing we had was MySpace, but it was still pretty new. And I, I don't, I don't remember really getting a MySpace until I was maybe like a senior in high school. But like I didn't grow up in the social media age where every like everything every any issue that I ever had with a person or anything that ever happened, it was face to face and you dealt with it then and there and it didn't follow you and like you, you came home. Yeah. I wonder how different it would have been if it was because I feel like now m most of it yeah. or half of yeah. it is yeah. on social yeah. media. If you're bullied, like you cannot escape it. No, every people will still post about it because it's not that they they want you to necessarily see it. They want everyone else to see it so that they can show you what's being yeah. said about you, and that's sometimes what yeah. you know. Yeah, what's it's just destructive and harmful. Yeah, there. no, I grew up in like MSN. <laughs> oh my god, that's like, <laughs> right. Like, I'd be so cool posting my status and like stupid corny jokes and stuff, but like. <laughs> I don't think I like yeah and I and I don't remember it following us back home um like no. we just dealt on the playground <laughs> I, yeah left. and honestly it was it was it was a good time at least for me like I I enjoyed my childhood like everyone else I had the difficulties and the struggle and you know I came home and I just dealt with my own stuff like nothing really followed me yeah. Back. Yeah. I mean, maybe emotions or things that I dealt with that day, but it's not like I went home and then had to worry about it continuing. It's like once I got home, at least I know I, I didn't have to face people saying anything to yeah. me until the next exactly. day. Exactly. Yeah. It was like a bit of a reprieve and yeah. you can go out and play and like do whatever you needed to do. Go If you go to the mosque or whatever. I'm really fascinated with the generation that the ones yeah. that really did, you know, or even the ones today that are growing up with social media and only know social media. Yeah. How, I mean, I just, I don't know. Sometimes I think, and I'm like, I'm so lucky that I can at least reflect back and remember what time was like before it. But yeah. I don't, I just feel like it's so interesting. Cause I'm, I'm one, I'm assuming that, that everything is just so different for, from, for them, which I wonder if it makes it hard, like for parents or anyone to relate to them because everything that maybe we've went through or like even because I mean even what our parents went through right it was different than what we've experienced and they probably can't relate to some of the things that we did just because we grew mm -hmm. up in a different age but then this new generation is like completely different as well and so yeah. maybe yeah. something I find are... it 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like I find what I find really difficult to relate to is the lack of communication skills. Oh, yeah. Um verbal communication skills. And I'm like, I just like I, and I'll be around um kids who have grown up with social media or at least in the digital age and it's like you get one word responses there's so much anxiety like and i don't blame them for having so much anxiety like if you're constantly like having to perform an identity like off screen yeah. on screen like everywhere and to to live up to unex like to standards that don't make sense and aren't actually realistic um that's the part that like I, I that really scares me it's like I don't know you know how to I, and I can make conversation with people but I don't know how to make conversation with them to a point where they're quite comfortable and I know it takes time and like um you know eventually they can trust and everything but I think it's just scary that for so many of them it's so difficult to just form yeah. bonds and actually communicate in very human and basic human ways um at least not the way that we did and and I when I speak like this it makes me kind of like I step back and I'm like oh I I sound like such an old person because I'm like (laughs) when we back in the day you know but no I think because you know I have nieces and they're around that age and a nephew and I have others that are going to be growing up into this Mm -hmm. and you know into middle school and I feel like even their the things that they talk about or things that they reference it's hilarious because everything is like derived from social media and so when I sit mm. with my nieces and we're talking about things everything is a meme reference which to me right. is hilarious because like I love memes yeah. but there's like no it's like it's hard even if they even if they reference something that's like uh you know very contemporary and so like something that maybe our you know the president said or something that's happening it's like in reference to a meme it's like right. their knowledge comes from this kind of comical world yeah like if things that they're exposed to through social media and it's not like you know before maybe someone would reference something that they saw on the news or Mm -hmm. that they read in a history book like everything now is in reference to memes and it's funny but then i'm like oh my god you know and even the words the words that they choose to use um like the adjectives are very um i don't know what you'd want to call them but like you know kind of the the new slang and so and it's being used a lot to describe like things and I guess these are becoming new words that the dictionary is just having to add on but I think it's I think it's hilarious but also I'm just kind of like I don't know if this is a good thing or not Uh, and I like I really love language and so I find it very hard when people don't like we're just substituting words left right and center with like lit and Mm -hmm. t I don't even know yep. all the words, but like, I find that quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, just because I, I think there is like, words have so many meanings to them and so many connotations and stuff. And to be able to use that correctly, it, you can, it, it's a power that you can wield. Um, not to say that I want to wield it, but just like it is, it 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 can convey so much and it can give you so many identifying factors or at least the vernacular in which to have conversations that can get through to people. Um, and the other thing I find difficult is like just basic fact checking, I think is just going yeah. wrong. Like it's very easy to love memes and to, I mean, I love them. I think it's very easy to get the news from social media and stuff with so many different avenues of thoughts and you're like I don't know what's real anymore like I really don't know 
who is like, anybody yeah. can write anything in this and day. And you know what's day. sad too is there's so much being fabricated. But mm -hmm. also in the time that we live in, it's really sad sometimes what I see on social media that what you would think is a meme is like real life. So I don't know if you've recently seen the photo of the president of the United States with the the burgers and the, the food that he oh, ordered. <laughs> and there's like a picture of him. And obviously there's all these like different memes coming out and stuff. But like that's not being fabricated. Like that photo is okay. legit. Yeah. And he legitimately yeah. did serve that food because yeah. of the government shutdown. And so it's it's just this weird time where I'm like, oh, okay, this is a fabricated, like funny, comical meme. But then there's also like this weird, like reality to it, too. That's like you can't like, haha, you want to laugh, but then you also want to cry because you're like, that's kind of true, <laughs> you know, especially when the funny when the funny commentary actually hit like hits a nerve and you're just like. That's funny, but that's also real. Like it's not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Sometimes it's not even satire anymore. Sometimes it's not even like, you know, something that's um, fiction. It's yeah. The truth, and that's that's yeah. just weird. You know, weird to me. It's like I know, and it's like you're desensitized, but you're also not. Like you're like crap. It actually hits you, and and that's a good thing because you know you're not fully desensitized to things. Yeah. But I think those ten year challenges that came out with like the um, global warming one and the one with Yemen, Syria, yes, Libya, those Iraq. Were heartbreaking. Those were hard, yeah. And it's like, okay, like obviously meme culture has it can be really effective and powerful. Yeah. Um but it's also just a reminder that we can't only end at memes and meme culture. Like it has to go forth still. Yeah. Like there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Um I mean I I embrace the meme culture and I think every like I don't see I don't think like it's an evil thing I don't think social media is an evil yeah. thing I think yeah. it's just I don't know what the schools are doing or you know maybe parents to ensure that their children are still being exposed and still getting the the access or like are still um held accountable for getting like the basic education and the basic skill sets like social skill sets and mm -hmm. communication um skills to function as adults when they're like you know graduate high school or even like go into college because I, so i work in you know in education okay yeah and I, I work through like a private um ag company and they have created this um it's kind of like a dual en enrollment um uh, work-based learning program anyways so we have seven high schools that we partner with and so I you know I get to engage with students on certain mm -hmm. things and I'm sometimes so amazed and so proud because these are mm -hmm. students these are who sometimes are less advantaged yeah. I feel like when I do hear them speak and like the questions that they ask and how they engage because you know usually they're in a a more professional setting when I'm with them. So they're visiting like different industries and they're speaking to professionals. It gives me a lot of hope and it just makes me smile. And I'm so proud because I know that these are the future. And it's, it's good to see mm. that although they are spending their break time on Instagram and laughing at memes and sharing memes and all this other stuff that's in pop culture, that's great. Like, I don't think that they should go away from that. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think if anything, they need to learn how to live with it. Um, mm but that, that they're still smart and that they're still engaged and that their brain still works. 
Um, you know? and, I, and I don't mean I'm not talking about a specific age, like, oh, just high school students. I'm talking about people my age. I'm talking about adults older than right. me. Uh, I mean, my dad can spend hours on Facebook sometimes. And I'm just like, I have to like tell him like, yo, put your phone yeah. down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's yeah. super new to Facebook. I mean, he's not new to Facebook, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, to him, it's like, wow, yeah. I can connect with everyone yeah. from all over the world and my friends <laughs> and my cousins. and <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah. No, so true. Like, and, and I think the social media can also be a coping mechanism because they're under so much pressure. Yeah. Um, but it is good to see them that they're woke and that they have opinions because mm-hmm. that's something that I've also found a bit difficult, but I think it's kind of moving away from that. But I found that so many pe- young people I was talking to, they had, they, they, I think they tried to frame opinions in a way that would be acceptable on social media and on Instagram and stuff like mm-hmm. it, it was very formative opinions mm-hmm. um and we all do it for sure but I think I just noticed it and paired it with social media and that kind of generation mm-hmm. but at the same time uh, like I, I think they're moving past that and they're actually opening their eyes and like they know so much more than we did at their age and like and, and maybe it's a different set of skills and everything but it's just a lot more relevant to right now and they're just so much they're they're just really active which is amazing but then I think the other side of it is like okay I can only be proud and like really appreciate what you're doing if your politics align with mine mm. and if you're like a mega person right like I'm, I would be so disappointed and like I'd be like well what kind of education are you getting what kind of bigotry is going on at home and yeah. like what kind of skills are you being taught online and offline and in different communities that you're a part of and it's like I, I, and I, I, I don't like I don't know how to get past it but and I don't know that it's necessary to but I find that I yeah I, I'm just more appreciative of the the what they're exposed to if they align with my beliefs and values and stuff yeah. to an extent well I, I definitely uh, think it's a tool and I think it's something that you know could have a lot of positive influence on you it could have a lot of negative influence on you depending on who you are as a person and how you consume, because we are consumers in in this like digital age, like how you consume information and media, especially because it is, I think it's amazing to see how media has changed within just the past 10 to 20 years, really, with social media, because even these like big corporations and like political movements and media stations, like, the way that they feed us information has changed and I think it's become somewhat easier and it's it's become easier for us to also attain information but I think that that also comes with us nitpicking the information we want, us tailoring what we're exposed to via the internet to only things that match our views which obviously to an extent you are going to gravitate and be attracted to that but then I feel like we kind of lose that opposing view that sometimes we need to challenge our own ideologies. And so, for example, like I live in the Central Valley of California and my district is one of the few Republican districts in California. California is a very Democratic, uh, I mean, a very Democrat blue state, very liberal. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I do appreciate is the amount of exposure I get to have with conservatives. And I'm talking about like really like conservatives who voted for Donald Trump and who align a lot with his values because I am curious to know like what what makes a person 
align with something that I clearly in my mind think is so wrong, Mm -hmm. so abhorrent, like so just out of this world. Like I I just, I, to me, I can't fathom it. And so Mm -hmm. it's good to have those discussions because I actually find that it helps me digest, I guess, better come up with my own response to it rather than just like following what everyone else is saying. Because again, I'm tailoring myself, I'm putting myself in this echo chamber of the same ideologies that I believe in. It helps me really feel like I understand why I feel the way that I feel rather than I it's because I'm following someone who I look up to or this is what everyone else is saying type of type Mm -hmm. of thing and so when you say like oh about the children like not the children (laughs) but the people on you are proud of that are you know quote-unquote woke or um just you know they're intelligent or they they're aware of what's going on in the world and when it aligns to you I've actually found that I'm I'm actually also as surprised as someone who has different views than me and it's not necessarily that I don't like I I cannot agree with the way that they what the things that they say but how they say it or how they rationalize it or how they've come to that I I I can appreciate and respect to an extent how they rationalize that and like actually thought about it and it wasn't because I feel like a lot of people tend to be followers and like jump on bandwagons and immediately aligned with something just because uh family uh pressure or like peer pressure or whatever it is but like to actually hear someone like rationalize like to me I might still be thinking like well that's crazy I think that that's racist even or like it's bigoted but then you hear it from their perspective and I'm like you know what well I didn't grow up as uh, a white person and they didn't grow up as an Arab person so maybe this is a time for us to exchange our views and actually learn from each other rather than like creating a bigger gap between us. I don't know if that makes sense. I like that was a, no, a, a long, no. <laughs> a long tangent type, but yeah, totally made sense. I, I think, I guess we only see like the more, I don't know, at least on the social media and stuff, I see more extreme examples of what a Trump supporter looks like and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I listened to this podcast called I Love You, But I Hate Your Politics. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Um, Sounds but interesting. It, yeah, and, it, and it, it started out after Trump was elected and stuff. And it just goes through like friendships and um, intimate partnerships and family relationships of people that you know, they do love each other, but they don't align with their politics. And I think here is where I see a more, um, I see more dialogue happening as mm-hmm. opposed to, but I totally hate you. Like, how can you do this? And, and not to, like the anger is there and it's totally valid. Um, but I think the, like the, the building off of that, like, how are you going to keep those relationships if you want that to actually be a thing I think is really recognized in that podcast. And I have like, I have a hard time. I think about it all the time. I was like, imagine if like I married a Republican or something or like, or here it's like a conservative, but I don't think I could ever do it. (laughs) I couldn't do it. And I I have a tolerant level. Right. So I think we we talk about being accepted and tolerant. I'm tolerant to an extent of how far I think I can carry relationship with someone who has those values. And I have really close friends that are conservative, but mm-hmm. some of them say they didn't vote for Trump. And some of them say that like, they're still like the kind of, I don't, I don't know, like the, the conservative, I want to say conservative Republicans, like the old, not old school, but like the Republicans from like the Reagan days or whatever. Not that that to me, that that's any better, but not right. today's Republican or not Trump's Republican. You right. know what I mean? Right, not the extremist Republican mm-hmm. necessarily. Yeah, and and that's the thing is like I 
I can totally understand where people are talking about not having jobs and not getting benefits and stuff like that. I think what I find really difficult is the idea that, you know, you have to bash another culture or another t- people and community in yeah. order to get what you want that. I, I can't, and I don't know if, well, I can't get away with it just because of who I am and like the politics and stuff, but I also work with like very marginalized, vulnerable populations. And I see the intersections of how so many of these systems affect everyone. And it's just like, I don't know. And I, and I, I, I find this in my personal thing is like, I just don't know how to get past yeah. the anger. And it's not like I, I always verbalize the anger or I'm public about the anger and stuff. But if I was, for example, like I came to America in, august or something i went to florida mm-hmm. which first of all i always forget is a red state just because it's i just picture beaches and stuff <laughs> but like i just literally i was wary of everyone everyone yeah. i was like going to a gas station all right well i'm gonna like recite um Eithel Kursi because I don't know if I'm coming out alive today or like going to IHOP or something like just literally staring everyone down and trying to analyze them and read their body movements and stuff like that and it's to a point of paranoia but like necessary paranoia for survival if you're in America or if you're like black in America if you're indigenous in America if you're Arab in America like any minority or Mexican in America like it's just I, I think that's something that I can't get past is like the paranoia and the feelings of, I I mean, they are feelings of us versus them. Yeah. Um, Which those dichotomies never help as we know through like Orientalism and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the war and terror and everything. But it just, yeah, I, I don't, I honestly don't know how you do it in America because I, we have it here. Like we have Doug Ford, who's the premier of Ontario, which is um, one of the provinces in Canada. And mm-hmm. he like very much had a rise after Donald Trump and his politics are very much like that. Like he's taking away funding for students. He's rolling like he's taking us back to the 1994 curriculum, which, you know, doesn't teach a lot of things that need to be taught in this day and age mm. very much about like white supremacy and stuff um at a smaller scale because he's not prime minister our prime minister is liberal but mm. um but yeah i i am starting to think like that like who is who and what are your politics and everything but not to the extent that i felt in america and i was like i'm just a guest here <laughs> like i i just don't know i don't know how you do it yeah i think i felt more polarization since Trump's selection Mm. more so than ever before and I was someone who even before I was able to vote was I would say like politically aware or like I wanted to be politically virtuous at like 16 I wanted to vote and I wanted to do all these things and be active and help campaign and just like silly things like that and obviously now like I don't want to do all that stuff I mean I vote but Um, I've never seen such polarization as I do now. And I've also recognized over the years that my local politics are just as important, if not more important than like the, the federal kind of national politics. And so, yes, Trump's presidency has a lot of impact on a lot of things. I think a lot of it is 
just also the controversial things that he says and the media attention that he gets. But understanding that the local stuff is like where it affects like me and it can affect, you know, my future children and stuff. Like you said, your um, what did you call him for your providence? I don't I'm not sure because we say governor, well, but premier premier for your providence is like changing things and it's like that's the stuff that really affects you so it doesn't matter if like uh your prime minister is liberal you know that stuff is going to affect you probably Mm -hmm. more than some of the the policies that are happening like on a national level Mm. um but you know i've it's weird i've you know (laughs) i'm gonna keep saying i've you know i've seen a lot of people be more comfortable with their views which is a good thing right either side of the spectrum but it's sad for me to see how comfortable people are about being openly racist and like carrying the confederate flag which i've seen way many way way too much more than i should have oh god i've seen it way too much and it's just it's really disheartening and like just certain things that people say or like have on their cars and bumper stickers and I'm just like wow you know we've really gotten to a point in time where people are really comfortable saying this knowing Mm -hmm. how much it would affect those like they're obviously wanting to send a message like they want people like me or immigrants or anyone else um especially because like I live in a large Mexican community so you can see what kind of tension or what kind of aggression or things are being said in a community that is very conservative and like but it's still predominantly Hispanic. Um, and so, yeah, it is it's it is an interesting time. But I think... So, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry, no, go for it. No, no, it's okay. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to go a bit dark, but do you have hope for the future? Oh, man, I, I do. I, I, I like to think I'm a positive, or I try to be a positive person. Like, I try to choose the positive route. I do have hope. I think that, like, if anything, his his presidency kind of lit a fire under everyone's ass that was, like, complacent and, like, everyone that was really comfortable and wasn't politically aware. And like I said, at a young age, I was, you know, very politically aware of what was going on. And, like, my dad was someone who would watch the news and I would watch with him and then we'd have discussions about not just, you know, things that were happening locally or, like, in America, but also it was happening around the world. And so, and I remember I used to talk to friends and no one had interest in those type of discussions. And there was very few that did. And they were just kind of like on the same boat as me. And, you know, I became a political science major and there was always jokes about someone who studied political science, about it being boring or like you don't want to talk to them because it's just going to be like debates and stuff. And I actually see that like majority of people that I know now are, you know, knowledgeable and can carry discussions but also have an interest in it because now they realize that it's 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 made its way to pop culture Mm -hmm. and so these are normal discussions that people are having and you know they always say like don't talk there's a few things you don't talk to people about like in a professional setting Mm -hmm. and one of them is religion and the other is politics right i actually find that a lot of talks that i have about religion and politics are like with my coworkers or all are with people at work i mean we don't get into like arguments or specific debates because we understand that like they possibly could have different views. And I have coworkers who have completely different views than me, but 
they feel comfortable enough and I at least let them know like if you have any questions about my religion my hijab um mm -hmm. my how I practice my faith or my views like you can ask me and I'm not gonna see it as being something that's like unprofessional or like not the right setting you know we right. can have lunch and talk about it um mm -hmm. So I, I have hope because I feel like it's it's about time that everyone became a little bit more aware of what's going on. I'm not even yeah. necessarily sure that things are much different than what they were between every single presidency, to be honest. Because even though Barack Obama was someone who everyone viewed as being like very charismatic and he was like the poster boy for the presidency and stuff and like loved by many and obviously he's he's better than the the current president we have right now but he he too had flaws and he did a lot of things mm -hmm. and yeah. so did those before him i just yeah. think that like there's so much attention now and we just have someone in place that is so unfiltered with the things that he says in a way that i just find to be so like i think about the future generations when 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 our current state like right now today is in the history books and like what their reaction is going to be when like like screenshots of trump's tweets are going to be in history books and like they're gonna have to like sit there and like write reports on the this new type of presidency or a way where you know the president is engaging with people with personal tweets you know what i mean like that's just like yeah. you know barack obama had twitter and he tweeted right. or whoever tweeted for him but it was never yeah. like yeah. Well, this person talks shit about me. They're a bad person. Right. They also did this. And it's like, right. are you kidding me? Yeah. You're <laughs> like, not announcing policy on Twitter, right? <laughs> yes. And so it's just, it's such an interesting time. But yes, I will always have hope because I think those people that I, I engage with and those people that I talk with and the people around me or that I at least choose to put around me, those are the ones that keep the hope in my heart alive for like a better future. See, I think that... Do you? I think you're, I, well, okay. So this is where, <laughs> this is another... this is where I, I'm like, I just, I, and I don't know if it's because it's more publicized and we have more access and we're seeing so many things, but at the same time, you know, we are a lot more divided. We aren't communicating as much and we don't have many human relationships per se. Yeah. Um, I mean, we do, but with the rise of like AI and robots and stuff, that's also going to dwindle. That's a new, um, another topic because some of that stuff scares me, but okay, go yeah. on. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm doing like a whole like podcast series on it. I'm just researching oh, it right now, cool. but it's scary. And, um, and, and so that, and like all the wars and the like intersectionality of those wars and the environment and stuff. And I'm just like, the day of judgment has to be coming. Like there's, I, I know what you can't predict it, but by God, come <laughs> on. Like, it's hey, like every it's, it's not getting further away. It's only getting closer. So we know that. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. So I am just like the hope I have is more on like personal accountability and stuff. And yeah. the hope that, you know, like I, the hope comes through prayers, like prayer that we are still rightly guided and we are still, you know, being good human beings and stuff. But then I see all this stuff and I'm like, well, we need, we know it has to get shit to get better. So, you know, and the better will come through like the Messiah and the day of judgment and stuff yeah. like that. 
But man, yeah, if that's so what you're thinking, then the only thought that's in my head is like, if that's really what's happening, then I need to make sure that my butt is in place and my butt <laughs> is doing the right things and my I'm spending my time wisely and like I am I'm not being apathetic and like standing on the sidelines towards what's happening in the world, at least not in, in the extent of like things that I know I can make a change with, even if it's as simple as like, you know, this podcast or your podcast or you know what I mean? Like just yeah. Having some type of influence, even if it's towards five people, but maybe those five people, that influence is going to like help you on the day of judgment or like, you know, benefit you in a way that's more grandiose than than we can conceive, if that mm. makes sense. And so yeah. definitely like, you know, now you got me thinking. I mean, I'm always thinking about this, but like, yeah, maybe all this all the shit that's happening around the world, excuse my language, is like a sign yeah and like and I can't get it out of my head like I would love to and I don't know if it's like you know yeah I don't know if it's like around my work where it's just a lot of like vulnerability and violence and stuff and or if it's seeing things on Twitter where it's like there are so few good steps yeah and that's like you said the echo chamber and the algorithms will kind of curate content for you yeah uh, so maybe it's about seeking out content that is more hopeful um, yeah i was just gonna say if you yeah, feel yeah. that way then i think it's it's on you to try to change that and i think this so this is gonna get me into like um a segue into something that you were talking to me about earlier, which was like about my social media kind of right. hold. I think that yeah. at the end of the day, we need to recognize how much power we have as humans and like the free will that God gave us and recognize mm -hmm. that everything else on our phones and with technology and like we have more control over that. And it's not easy sometimes to understand that or to make the possible like actions to change whatever is affecting us in maybe a negative way but we can actually control what is exposed to us if for example you are seeing more negative or like you feel hopeless because you're just seeing all the, you know obviously I'm I don't I'm not saying that you know remove yourself from what's happening around the world what's happening in Syria and in Bangladesh and what's happening in you know Yemen or around the world or even like you know on the border of the United States like mm -hmm. don't remove yourself from that it's very I think important to recognize it and be present with whatever is happening but at the same time there's a lot of good that's happening too and I think sometimes we need that little hope and that like you know sunshine to get us yeah. through because then you just kind of you we really it's just about a balance and I think that's what's hard and everyone's balance is going to look different but if you literally just start go, like I if I start <laughs> for example the other day not the other day actually I love animals I have like an obsession with just like really cute animals and um I think cows are probably my favorite and most people know that cows are my favorite, but I love <laughs> otters and like the videos of otters are just so dang cute. And the other day I was like PMSing and I saw this cute video of an otter and legit like started crying. It was so embarrassing <laughs> to myself, but you know, I was kind of like in this thing where I was just like looking at otter pictures and like they won't stop popping up on my feed, but it's right. cute. So I think that if you yeah. look up, you know, something or like you know you know when like new year new me everyone's like getting into the whole workout mojo and so if you just like put like start following a few fitness people then all of a sudden like your feed is going to be that and so there's ways that we can 
kind of tailor what we see because there are those algorithms set in place that will then feed us that type of information so that we're only exposed or surrounded by things that we know are going to motivate us or help us feel better or you know what I mean mine's literally just like office memes and content (laughs) oh I love the office and I saw you tweet something about the office um I don't know I actually many things like my obsession like I literally like I've gone 19 days without watching the office because i'm trying to like oh you're actually counting too <laughs> oh yeah i'm like going through withdrawal i think i watched all the all the seasons three times do last you watch year. the british version or do you only watch the american version i started the british version but like literally only one episode so um and i hear mixed reviews i'm like either some people say that the british version is definitely better and then others say that it just doesn't compare i think it's hard because you immediately go into Excuse me. You immediately go into one. If you like, for example, whichever one you started watching first, I feel like you have expectations already of the other one. And although yeah. they're very similar in the type of setup, it is still different. Different. It's still different. I, I've watched it. And also there's another show called Parks and Recreation. And uh, my sister really loves it. And everyone says, if you love The Office, you'll love that. But I couldn't get into it. Not because I just I didn't put in the effort, to be honest. <laughs> But you should you should try it because I hear it's I might try it. yeah I might try it it's very like uh, every person I've, I've known that loves The Office loves Parks and Rec so yeah and my friend was saying it too she was like she loves Parks but she's only watched a few episodes of The Office but mm-hmm. she says the same thing she's like you'll definitely love it it's not on Netflix though that's the problem really it's not Parks Canadian and Rec Netflix. it's not yeah and like Canadian Netflix is so crap like there's nothing. I mean, there is, oh but God. there's nothing. God bless America. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because even though I sit here and like, I understand that like the identity of the nation right now is just so different. Like I, I am very proud to be an American. I'm, I, I love, obviously like I love the country that I live in. Like I live here and I still, you know, am proud of the values that I, you know, when people say the American dream and talk about like wanting to come to America and stuff. And like, I think it's pretty incredible. Some of the things that this country has been able to do and the type of people and um, politicians and policies that have been put in place. And, but very, like, I try to be very grateful for the little things in life. And like, this is one of those little things that I'm just grateful for because who would have thought that someone like you with the background that you have and the background that I have would connect in this way and just have such a heartwarming, like, couple of hours like yeah. alhamdulillah that's you know yeah very lovely. like it was so chill i literally felt like i was just having coffee with you i was like i know is- well maybe one day we can actually do that come Shala. to california i would love to when it's there- okay i was gonna go dark again no i'm no. trying not to do dark in my life <laughs> yeah <laughs> Inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs>